0: Oh Father, we are—we uh, love you. We uh, we long to be more aware of you and the day in and day out of all the things that you have us doing, Lord. All of our conversations, all of our callings, uh, Lord. We are desperate for you, Lord. There's just so so many times that we are aching for more and. Um, Lord, we are longing for you. We are longing for you whether we know it or not. And so, Lord, would you please come? Would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts and our minds and uh, do what only you can do? You're the only one who can do this, Lord. Would you change us? Would you do deep, transformative work in our souls right now as we hear your word? Would you come and make that word effective to change us and uh, and do your your good work in us and through us? And um, so we ask you to do that now as we continue to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Quinn, come bring that word, man.
1: Hey, the sermon scripture is from 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 10. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord.
0: All right, so um, we are starting a new series tonight and uh, this is, I'm going to move this, I hope that is not bad for all of our folks at home. Um, our new series is we're gonna go through First Thessalonians and we felt like this was really appropriate for us for several reasons. And uh, I think especially Midtown West, it was fun to get into this and see um, how much we share in common with what's going on here. But first, this city, um, Thessalonica, is the capital city of Macedonia. It's a hub city. People are coming in from everywhere, just like Nashville. Um, This church was planted by Paul. Um, He stayed and preached for like four weeks and then this church existed and that's amazing to think about um, how little time he spent. But this church when he's writing this letter is only a few months old, just like us. And uh, they were facing severe opposition, serious opposition to what the Lord was trying to do um, in this new body of people just like us. and so, you know, we're here planting a church in a pandemic, and that's weird and strange and discouraging and can be a bunch of different things. And we have people in the room. We have people at home. We have people everywhere. We have people um, getting ready for the Super Bowl because they don't love Jesus. I'm just kidding. Um, low blow. Go Chiefs, Tyler. Um, but that's, that's where we are. And the theme of this letter it's kind of twofold. One is Paul just loves these people and he's saying, I'm longing to be with you. I'm longing to be with you. And that, is, that captures how I feel. Like I'm longing to be in this place. I'm, I'm really longing to be in our own place somewhere soon. Uh, but even this place, Lord, I'm longing for this place to be full of everyone who God has called to Midtown West to worship together, to, to see people giving each other hugs and just seeing each other on a weekly basis and being deeply encouraged. Lord, I'm, I'm longing for that. Um, and it's also, Paul is saying, here's how to live in the waiting. And I think that's really, really, really appropriate for us. Um, this letter is all about how to live in the waiting, waiting. Waiting for Jesus to return, ultimately, and make all things new, waiting, even in the short term, for all of this opposition that these people are facing, all of the things, all the struggles, all the strife, all the affliction, um, how do we live in the waiting? How do we wait well? And so I just ask y'all, us, to take a minute here and just think, how have you been waiting in this season? What's that been like? What has it been like to wait in this season with the Lord? Or, or maybe, um, it's not really been waiting with the Lord. Maybe it's been a lot of anxiety and, and panic and me trying to run around and, and make something happen in my own power. Or maybe it's been waiting with the Lord and experiencing anxiety too, because that can happen as well. But we really need to hear this. We really need to hear this message because we, we desperately need to know how to wait right now. And so where we're going tonight is uh, the beginning of this letter, the first chapter of this letter. And the first thing I wanna say right off the bat is um, this letter is written to, originally to these people, the Thessalonians, the church at Thessalonica, but the Lord for all time knew that this letter was gonna be also written for us. Like that's why it's included in his word is because this is written to us. And it's not just written to us as individuals. It's written to us as the church of Midtown West, we now have a collective identity, and isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that the Lord, and I just wanna stop and recognize what he has done and what he's doing, that he calls individual people together, this random, ragtag bunch of people who are strange and quirky and weird in different ways, me being the chief, um, and, and he, he gives us a home, he gives us a family, he gives us this community, and he said, this isn't random. Like I'm specifically calling you and you and you and you and you and you and all of us, I have handpicked this group of people to be together and grow together and be my church in this part of the world right now at this point in history because I have things to do in you and through you and I have ways that I wanna show myself amazing. I wanna show you my love and show you my power and I wanna show my love and power through you to this community that you find yourself in. And so I'm gonna go ahead and warn you uh, that I am rereading Lord of the Rings right now. And so you are in for a lot of Hobbit talk. Um, so get excited. But I, I was reading this the other day and it, it really spoke to me um, because this is, this is where God has taken us. The gospel is, is calling you and I on a grand adventure together. And so listen to this description of, of Hobbits. Um, the beginning of this book. It says, And there in that pleasant corner of the world, they went about their little lives and heeded less and less the world outside of the shire where dark things moved. They were in fact sheltered, but they had ceased to remember it. And then all of a sudden, these things start to happen and there's this one hobbit named Frodo and he starts getting visited by this wizard Gandalf and his uncle is weird and he's gone on all these adventures and he's left the shire and he starts talking to him and telling him stories. And then it says this about Frodo. Frodo began to feel restless and the old path seemed too well trodden. He looked at maps and wondered what lay beyond their edges. I thought this is, this is exactly what God is calling us into right now. We, we spend so much of our lives chasing comfort and security, and that's the very thing that's taking life from us. And the Holy Spirit is calling. He's calling us individually, but he's also calling us collectively. And he's saying, I want to take you on a grand adventure. I'm calling you out of these well-worn paths. I'm calling you into the unknown, these places where you've never been before. You're going to encounter dark and strange and wonderful things, but you've got to go. You've got to go in order to encounter these things. And so it starts with the gospel. And, and I, I was listening to, uh, did any of y'all listen to Fresh Air, the NPR podcast? It's like excellent interviews. Um, so I commend that to you. But I was listening to an episode of Michael J. Fox, um, star of one of my favorite movies of all time, Back to the Future. And he's talking about what happens after death. And he said this, My happiness here doesn't depend on what's coming after. I have a vague spirituality that tells me that if I do good, then good things will happen to me. And I thought, wow, I really disagree with Michael J. Fox. And then I thought, wow, but doesn't that, and I'm not throwing shade at Marty McFly because I really, (laughs) I love him, Um, but I think he captures the sentiment that that's, that's the way that most people that I encounter, I think, think about life and the afterlife and what happens after you die. And it's really important to, to lean in here because it's, it's essentially, this, this statement is saying like, I refuse to think about it actually. I have this vague spirituality where I don't know what happens, but if anything happens, it's either gonna be neutral or really good for me because I'm a pretty good person. Like, doesn't that capture what, I mean, most people think about, like, what's going on? And I just thought, isn't it interesting that no one talks like that and says the opposite? Nobody ever says something like that and says, yeah, I've got this vague spirituality where I don't know what happens after this life is over, but I know it's either going to be nothing or something really bad because I've been selfish my whole life. (laughs) Like, nobody says that. But here, Paul is talking about um, wrath. In the last verse of our passage, he says that this Jesus is coming to save us from the wrath that is coming. And when I read that this week, getting ready for this passage, I was like, ooh, I don't want to talk about that. And I realize it's because I'm, I'm living and breathing and swimming in this culture where nobody wants to talk about that. We don't want to think about that. We don't want to think about anything um, that's gonna gonna call us to look in the mirror in ways that we're not prepared to look in the mirror. But what does the gospel say? It says that um, here that God raised his son from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus had to be raised from the dead because he was put in the earth a bloody mess because we needed someone to take that wrath for us, to deliver us from this wrath that is coming. We've, all of us, walked through God's beautiful world like a bunch of drunk football players at a house party, just tearing things up because we felt like it. Because that's what I want to do. And so God's wrath, because he is good and his creation is good, is actually good. It's right, it's just. And it just is, whether whether we want it to be or not. Whether I choose not to think about it, Paul says in another letter, uh, but for those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. And even Jesus says, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. The wrath of God remains on him. You know, we're in this cultural moment where we love talking about justice. And our favorite thing to do when we talk about justice is to point the gun at somebody else. You, you. You are the problem. You out there are the problem. And we all want blood, but none of us are willing to bleed. None of us are willing to point the gun back at ourselves and say, actually, I'm part of the problem too. Actually, if something happens after this life, it's probably gonna be bad because I've just been selfish my whole life. But here's, here's why the gospel is good news is because God the Father loved us so much that he sent his son into this intense suffering and death for you and me. And Jesus the son loved his daddy and loved us so much that he said, okay, I'll go. And now the Holy Spirit loves you and I so much that he is pressing this truth deep into our hearts and shifting deep things in our souls with this truth. We weren't alive when this happened. This happened 2000 plus years ago. But somehow, some way, this thing that happened over 2,000 years ago, God is taking it and putting it into our souls and ripping open our hearts so that he can create new ground and new growth and new life. And he's doing that because he loves you and he loves me. And so that, this, this wrath, we need to hear about it because we also need to hear that we've been delivered from it. And we just need to know that it is coming, and that's going to change the way that we think about things. So, now, as Christ, as uh, Paul talks about to these Thessalonians, the same is true for us in Christ. We're beloved, we are loved by God. And whenever God, and God is coming through Paul and through Paul's words to us and to these Thessalonians, it's always in grace. And peace. I just wanna pause there and say that's really encouraging because the evil one in my own flesh will tempt me all the time to think that there are many times that God comes to me to judge and shame and, and make me sit in my guilt. And that is never true in Christ because all of that has already been dealt with. So now for those of us who are in Christ, who are sons and daughters of God, God only ever comes to us in grace and peace. He may come in loving fatherly discipline, but it is always in grace and it is always in peace. Nothing, 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 nothing can ever disrupt the peace that we have with God because of what Christ has done long before we ever drew our first breath. That's amazing and in this time that we're in right now where everything feels so unsettled, And it's so easy to just be, I mean, even worship, like our our rhythms are off and we can't gather in the same way that we used to. And it's just hard sometimes when there's no rhythm. So we're, we're leading toward rhythms. But in all of that, I'm willing to bet that most, if not all of us, have just encountered this really deep frustration with ourselves and maybe even shame with ourselves of like, how are we engaging with God or we're just not? And you just need to know that if you're in that place, you have peace with him. He comes in grace toward you. But this gospel, this message is not enough when it is just left alone by itself. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I can hear and know and recite the gospel story. I can raise my hand and say, I affirm that. And I can still be, totally separated from God and living life on my own terms, addicted to me. Because I can take in all of this information and, and if all I have is this information, then it's just information. And so what Paul is so fired up about in this passage, what he is thanking God for, what he is falling over himself to thank God full of joy for is not the fact that these people are showing up to a worship service and they all have their Bibles and they all know what page to turn to. It's not that they can have a great theological conversation with each other. It's not that they've read the latest books. That's not what Paul's excited about and that's not what I'm excited about for us. What Paul is so overjoyed about and so thrilled by is that he has seen the signature evidence of the Holy Spirit of God moving in the lives of these people and disrupting and changing and bringing new life and bringing new freedom and just bringing everything new. Apart from the Holy Spirit, it's like God's word is laying there in my life like a big old pile of wood doused in gasoline. But there's not gonna be any fire without the match. And that is not something that we can bring to the party. That is something that only God can do. The Holy Spirit has to show up and take God's word and make it effective and apply it to our hearts. And that's what Paul is seeing he is doing in the lives of these people. And Jesus talks about this and says, "Um, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And like the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it's coming, you don't know where it's going next, you can't control it. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit, that the spirit of God is moving through his world and grabbing people and making them his. And Paul is saying, man, that is what we were praying for. That is why we came to this city. That is why we have come to this place and we have brought the word of God. We brought this giant pile of wood and we're pouring gas all over it and we're just begging God to please come and light this match. And he has. Paul says that um, we know now that God loves you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in full conviction. And what he's saying there is essentially three synonyms. That when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes in power to exercise his power by bringing full conviction to you that the gospel is true. And so all of its implications are true. And then that begins to change a person's life. Something deep, deep things have shifted in the souls of these people who have heard Paul bring the word of God. I had breakfast with a good friend of mine who's older than me, uh, but not as old as this story makes him sound. And I noticed we hadn't gotten together in person in about a year and I saw the little like court here that he had hearing aids. I was like, dude, that's new. Like, tell me about that. And he said, yeah, for the last like four or five years, I've been suffering from severe, like accelerated hearing loss. And I've been missing so much. And finally, uh, I had this conference that I was attending. And it was so bad that I was like, there, this is all the evidence I need. Like, something really serious has gone on here. I need to go get this checked out. And he went and said, the doctor just said, yeah, you know, you're one of the few people that this happens, this early onset severe hearing loss, and there's really no, no reason. But he set him up with these uh, Bluetooth hearing aids. So I'm glad to know that he can, like, take calls and listen to music in his hearing aids. So I have that to look forward to when that day comes for me. Um, but he was telling me about this, and he was like, you know, when, the hearing, when he put the hearing aid in, um, that's when I realized for the first time in years how much I've been missing and how loud everything was. He said, like, you know, zipping up the zipper on his jacket. He's like, I forgot that that made a noise. And he's talking about, like, becoming aware of this, all of this reality that's always been there, but he couldn't hear it. That's exactly what we're talking about here with the Holy Spirit. We can sit, you can sit where you're hearing the word of God, where you're agreeing with the word of God for years and years and years. And, and that spark has never flashed. And it's just silence. It's just information. It's just some good advice. It's just news. And then when the Holy Spirit turns on your hearing aids, you're just blown away. Wow, this world I've been living in is, is deeper and more mysterious and richer than I've ever imagined. It's always been this way, but I, I just wasn't able to hear it. He, he also talked about how uh, one of the first things he did when he got these hearing aids, uh, he lives with his wife and a couple of children and he said he just went and apologized to them for how loud he was. He was like, I, I just need to tell you I'm sorry because I've been banging around, making so much noise when I'm coming and going in the mornings when you're trying to sleep, um, and I'm just sorry. And so this whole idea that like when the light comes on and you, you, your hearing aids are working and you can now live in this reality that you weren't aware of before, um, it actually leads to life change that you live differently, you act differently, you think differently because of this new reality that you've been ushered into. And that's what, that's what we're talking about and seeing here, and that's what we're asking God for in our lives, is this idea that, that when the Holy Spirit marries up with the Word and, and meets us, uh, that it changes our lives. We can't stay in the Shire when that happens. We have to leave the gates. We have to start walking down the path. And so here, um, as the Holy Spirit sweeps these people into this grand adventure, um, the Spirit brings three gifts, and he brings these three gifts to us, among other gifts, not the only gifts. Faith, hope, and love. Right? This, This powerful triforce that Paul is always talking about. And in all the places that Paul talks about faith, hope, and love, he's, he emphasizes one or the other. And here it's hope. And so we're going to zoom in on hope. But, um, you know, faith, hope, and love. What it's, faith is believing that the gospel is true. Faith is taking what God says in his word, and that is forming the framework through which I live my life and see my world and engage with my world. So faith is this reshaping of my reality because of what God says is true, Love is responding, loving God back because I've just discovered how much he loves me. And so now I'm loving him back and his love is overflowing and now I'm loving other people. And then hope is putting my hope not here anymore, but here where Jesus is going to return one day. He's gonna make all things new. He's gonna keep all of his promises. And then now my, my hope is increasingly shifting toward what Jesus is going to do when he returns. And these, these gifts that God gives us, I mean, faith, hope, and love are so flowery. There's, there's poems. There's a lot of, I'm sure, posters and framed things at Christian bookstores about faith, hope, and love. But these are not pretty vases that just sit up on the shelf. That's not what kind of gifts these are. These are gifts that are like tools and weapons in the trenches, and they're powerful. They're so powerful, They're living and active, and Paul is is noting here when he talks about these things in these people, these gifts that the Holy Spirit's given these people, he sees that their faith is working, their love is laboring, their hope is steadfastly enduring. It's this action, it is this power that is now made possible through the Holy Spirit. These gifts always have to flesh themselves out and push against something in order to be born in us. And so that's, that's why there's joy in affliction. That's why all, all of this uncomfortable stuff that's happening right now is, is not really all that bad. It's actually a good gift. It's the soil that these gifts get to grow and spring up in our lives. It's the, it's the stuff that has to be pushed against in order for this stuff to be born in us. And so, like I said, we're gonna focus here on hope, but... Paul says here, he's talking about their steadfastness of hope. That word steadfast in the Greek means capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. And, and you see here what this hope, this steadfast hope is doing in these people. Paul says, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. As our hope shifts, our whole life shifts. And so now the things that I worship are different. The things that I desire are different. The goals that I have for myself are different. The way that I manage my talents, my money and my time, and even the things that I give airtime when I'm praying and asking God for, those things are different now. And they are increasingly becoming more different as the Holy Spirit continues to work in me and shifts my hope up to eternal things, to lasting things, to Jesus returning and making all things new. I don't have to try to undo my aging here. I mean, I want to stay healthy. I want to be active, but I don't need to try to pretend or look like I'm 20 years old again because that's not where my hope is. Sometimes I think it is and that's I have a sad day when that's true. Or or my money or financial security or whatever it is or or that people think I'm good at my job. In in those days where I'm my hope is is shifting, it's like a it's like a camera tripod that's a little loose and it's just slowly like shifting back down. On those days when my hope is shifting, those are those are not fun days. And I I need the Holy Spirit to increase and steal and strengthen my steadfastness of this hope that my hope is in Jesus coming back. This is not my home. And so the more I try to make this my home and get sad when people put marks on my walls and put their dirty shoes on my couch because I think this is everything, I'm going to be really sad because it's not, and it's not going to last, and it's not going to... This is just a, a very poor place to put all my hope. But when my hope is in Jesus returning, it doesn't mean that I sit here waiting for heaven like a bus stop. It's a very active hope. I'm out there with renewed energy and renewed desire and renewed love and renewed faith to be about the things that God is about, to bring, bring his kingdom to bear in all these different ways that he makes available to us as we just live our normal lives that he's called us to. And this work of the Holy Spirit, I wanna say this very clearly. Um, this work of the Holy Spirit is very rarely this grand, flashy, immediate thing. Grand flashy sounds a lot like Grandmaster Flash, and I like him too. But it's, it's not this big thing that just happens and then everything's exciting all the time. That's not what we see here, right? Now, don't get me wrong, like new things happen. Like people are different, like life changes. And then the reason Paul's writing this letter is he's saying, hey, hey, like it's gonna be hard. Like the joy and affliction you have now, you're gonna also have joy and affliction six months from now and five years from now and 10 years from now. This isn't like this cruise ship that you've just got on and then everything's gonna be amazing from here until Jesus comes back. That's why you have the faith, hope, and love. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in you because you're gonna need it because the way that God likes to grow things is evident by the way that he grows things in the world. He's made plants to grow and people to grow very slowly and very consistently, and that's how he does his good work. And so when you find yourself in a place where your hope is not steadfast in the gospel, it's not time to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It doesn't mean that all this is broken and you were supposed to be on this trajectory forever and God forgot about you for some reason, it just means that you go back and remember, I I can't put myself back on that trajectory. I can't have this deep, steadfast hope. You have to do that in me. Remember, the Holy Spirit is the only one who can do that. So when I find myself getting really frustrated with my kids because they're not listening to me, which never happens except it happened today for the millionth time today. In those moments, I don't just try to pull myself up by my bootstraps, I just confess the truth to the Lord and say, Lord, look at me. Like, this is not true. I need your help. Like, would you please come do what only you can do? Only you can give me love. Only you can allow me to labor in love when it's hard and believe the truth of this and have steadfast hope, not in my parenting abilities or in their ability to behave and do exactly what I want them to do, and the fact that you're coming back and making all things new. And it's okay. I can wait. I don't have to run to my favorite idol and feverishly and anxiously worship at the feet of whatever my idols are to try to make something happen now. I can live in the peace and just wait. Just waiting, actively waiting for you to return. And so, what does this mean for us? Well, it means that what we wanna be about as the people of Midtown West is that we wanna be building the fire. We wanna be gathering the wood and pouring the gasoline on it and asking the Holy Spirit to come and fan it into flame, to drop that match and watch this thing go up in flames. It's... It's really three things, how do, how do we start? Or it's, it's, it's really two things, it's the word in community and it's the word in solitude. It's, it's the word, the word is the part that we can bring to be in this word, to get this word in us and to be in community, it's, it's the word in community, that's why we care so deeply about corporate worship, that's why God's called us to corporate worship, that's why we care so deeply about discipleship groups because it's people getting around the word together in relationship with this community that he's given us. It's why we care about one-on-one discipleship. Just, that, that sounds fancy, but it's just two people getting together, reading the Bible together and talking about life and asking God to continue to do his work and pour matches on the fire that we put together. But it's also the word in solitude. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and it's this idea of um, in my busyness and my unbelief and my pride and my fear and all these things in my flesh, I'm just, the rivers of living water are flowing all the time in me. The problem is not that God's not supplying the Holy Spirit or these rivers. The problem is that I'm building dams because I'm not listening to Him. I'm not setting aside time to just be quietly in His presence and hear his word spoken to me. I'm not setting aside time to just read his word and just meditate and let it sink all the way down. Ruth Haley Barton has this beautiful picture that really speaks to me about a, uh, a, a river, like a, a stream or a creek that the water is just stirred up and there's just mud and muck everywhere. And that's, the, that's how we live our lives most all the time, is just muck everywhere because we're so frantically moving all the time. And so it's not only the word in community, but it's the word in solitude where we allow all that stuff to settle and we can actually see and hear and think for the first time. So again, Frodo began to feel restless and the old path seemed too well trodden. He looked at maps and wondered what lay beyond their edges. So that is God's call to us. And that's my call to us tonight as we, we begin this journey together, uh, that we would lean in and ask the Holy Spirit to come and show and allow us to experience things that we've never seen before. <laughs> allow us to experience His love for us and His power in us and through us in ways that we've never experienced before. So we gotta leave the shire. We gotta just start walking and stop talking about it. Father, um, Lord, you are so good, and uh, you give us, you have given us, you are giving us, and you will give us everything we could ever desire or imagine or long for. So Lord, would you help us to find you, even though you are not far, You are near to us and you are even within us. Help us to see you and know you and access you. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen.